0: A whoohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The numbers told the story. They always do. This is a numbers game with Gil
1: Alexander on. V- one of those idiots who believe in analytics.
4: Yeah, I am. Good Tuesday morning to you. It is a numbers game at Visa, the Sports betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa, net, Fubo, Sling, A Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube, TV. Skill Alexander, Jeff Parlay, producer number five and eight is here. Jeffrey, a smattering of sports today. Pro football, college football, pro basketball, college basketball, maybe a little tennis involved as well. Maddie Cox from Three Man Weave joining us later uh, to talk college hoops. Big news in college hoops this morning, not of the good variety either. We'll get to that. Pete Futak on college football. You and I, Jeff, will talk about college football and about our Week 11 thoughts, what we have played already, what we we're thinking about playing in the National Football League, JVT on the NBA. And let's begin, as we always do on Tuesday, uh, with the gentleman that has not one but two podcasts, one with NBC Sports Edge, Bet the Edge, that he does with uh, Sarah Prohman, and then, of course, Densic Classic. The Deep Dive Podcast with his buddy Andy Molitor, wherever podcasts are distributed, is Drew Densig at whale underscore capper. How you doing, Drew?
2: I'm doing well. Great to talk to you guys this morning. How's everybody, everybody over there? All good. Like
4: your victory red today? We enjoy that. <laughs> let, me, let me just say this off the top, because we'll start with last night's game, and I want to get your broader week 10 and week 11 thoughts, Well, really week 11 thoughts, which you're betting moving forward. That was the first game I finally got right all year. Right. Like after nice. after a hundred or however many like ridiculous calls, I'm just making up a number. Finally that was one that I that I hit pretty good, which was I, I thought the Robert Woods loss was gonna hurt them way more than people were letting on. Kittle was gonna be that much more healthy. Uh, I don't know if it was living most of my adult life in the Bay Area that there was a Malcolm Gladwell blink thing happening where you could just see the Niners rising up in this game. But really, the Niners looked terrible last week largely because of a couple early fumbles. Their fumble luck all year has been terrible. Anyway, that's why I played the Niners. It ended up working out. By the way, I never would have thought they'd win by 21. But what do you make of the Rams ultimately after that?
2: Yeah, this was a weird one and a frustrating one for me because I've backed the Niners like 10 times this season, it feels like, and been a loser every single time. And then finally, uh, I stay away from them pregame and they do this. Um, but I did get down some Niners at halftime, got a little uh, Niners plus 200 at halftime, believe it or not, money, second half money line. Um, that was a fun one. And uh, ultimately, this was a, um, a pretty... Uh, it was a it was a impressive team effort from a Niners team that looked like their season pretty much came to an end last week uh, with that brutal loss to the uh, uh, Colt McCoy led Arizona Cardinals. But uh, the takeaways, you know, in in you know the major takeaways I had from the L.A. Rams side of this were uh, poor coaching, poor scheming, um, poor preparation. Uh, you know, he really looked like McVay kind of got you know got coached out of this game from jump street, um, did not look like the defense was prepared whatsoever for the physical nature of the San Francisco attack in the first half. Uh, i lost count of how many times I've seen San Francisco roll out in a game of this magnitude and go with a very physical, try to win the battle in the trenches, try to establish long drives and, uh, you know, really wear down the opponent in the first half. And that's exactly what they did. And Mm -hmm. if you're McVeigh and you're the Rams and you've played this team, you know, 10 times, you should be more prepared for that. And it was, it was shocking to see them, you know, basically just get pushed off of the uh, starting block. Um, And then of course, Stafford trying to answer was a little sloppy. I agree with you. The absence of Robert Woods mattered. Um, And uh, you know, overall, you know, the San Francisco defense is not as good as what we just saw holding this team to 10 points and, and really creating seven points of their own. That was a shocker. Uh, San Francisco finally catching the positive side of turnover luck in this game. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, Mike, you know, uh, excuse me, Kyle Shanahan continues to basically own, uh, Sean McVay. McVay did nothing, uh, in the preparation of this game in the, uh, you know, in getting this team prepared, uh, to change things. So, um, you know, ultimately, I think you've seen some of the weaknesses that Stafford and McVeigh possess, and I think this correctly puts them in the second tier of NFC contenders.
4: Yeah, Wow. That says it all. Two monster drives in the first half, so what Drew is referring to, a 11-minute and three-second drive that resulted in a touchdown for the Niners, then a subsequent seven-minute, 52-second drive that resulted in a touchdown and a pick six in between there. That was not Stafford's fault. But I keep getting back to this last thing about the Niners, which is, What's interesting is that Kyle Shanahan appears to have just decided, look, I don't care who we've drafted. I don't care if it's Trey Sermon, who now apparently is behind Debo Samuel on the depth chart in the backfield as well. I don't care if we drafted Trey Lance. I don't care if we drafted Brandon Ayuk, who's not much of a contributor these days. I'm just going with my guys at this point. Um, and uh, it worked out for the Niners last night anyway in a big way. So interesting what you say about the Rams. not in it, Not on the top level of contenders in the NFC. Pretty damning. What have you bet so far this week, week 11, Drew?
2: I think there's some decent bounce backs opportunities. Um, The ones that stand out as I kind of reflect on week 10 that I've missed on. uh, And I'm, well, I missed on one. I got one, but I I didn't really uh, take very strong action on uh, Buffalo or Dallas. Uh, And they both had pretty advantageous matchups in uh, week 10 coming off of bad losses and they're, you know, they're teams that uh, uh, experienced coaches that really got them up for their games uh, against inferior opponents and, and, and bounced back impressively. And I think as you look at the card this week, that opportunity exists for the Baltimore Ravens against the Chicago bears, uh, that line at minus six is low in my opinion i think the chicago defense has huge huge question marks that uh, are not going to be fixed by a week off uh, in terms of just rest and rehabilitation um, baltimore matches up well against this defense and i think we'll be able to sh- see a lot better offensive uh, showing from them than what we saw from them against miami uh, my fair on that one is baltimore seven so as long as you're getting six i think you're in good you're, you're in a good spot i think circa looking at the. Uh, currently is at six and a half on that one. I would expect that they lead the market to uh, to six and a half, maybe even seven by the time we get to close. Um, and then similarly, I think uh, Cleveland is in a decent spot to bounce back against the Detroit Lions. Detroit obviously left it all out on the field against Pittsburgh in that tie effort. Uh, I don't know if you're Dan Campbell, how you go into that locker room and you get these guys up for another game after you spent two weeks preparing for for Pittsburgh, that was your kind of game of the year. We're going to finally get our win. Uh, You go out in that awful weather and you draw Uh, 16-16. Having chances to win in overtime with a very makeable field goal, um, it would be pretty easy for me to see this Detroit team come out flat uh, on the road again, outside Goff, obviously not a quarterback that can handle the elements, especially well. Uh, and then Cleveland likely to just kind of go back to the basics and lean on their offensive line as sort of their key weapon, uh, push Detroit around in the trenches in this one. Uh, so that 10, 10 is low. In my opinion, I think Cleveland deserves a little bit more respect considering uh, what they've shown us over the balance of the season, not necessarily last week. So Cleveland and Baltimore, the two chalky
4: sides that I think are uh, worth grabbing the number early uh, as we head into the, the weekend what what ends up being the most perplexing performance then of week 10 you just mentioned two of them right baltimore getting beat by miami the way they did on thursday night i'll even throw cleveland in they score the first seven against new england and new england scores 45 in a row against them so not just the fact that they lost because i think a lot of people might have thought that they would lose but but the nature of the loss then of course tampa bay's outright loss to washington and let's throw in Let's throw in last night's game, right? The, uh, the loss that uh, the Rams had against the Niners last night. I mean, which of all, all those four, those are, I guess, the top four candidates. We could quibble and throw in Arizona, but they were Colt McCoy-led. So of those four, what's, what's the most perplexing per your numbers and rankings?
2: Well, perplexing, I would say Tampa Bay. Losing to the Washington football team outright by you know 10-point loss, not being able to get off the field in the fourth quarter At all. Uh, when all you needed was to you know one-stop you know, against Tyler Taylor Heineke and a running rushing attack that wasn't really getting much on the ground. You can't get one stop. Uh, to give your team the ball back, to get it, you know, have a chance to just eke out a win, which is a lot of what we've seen Tampa play against the inferior competition this year is, you know, especially on the road, they've sort of just got it done and they didn't get it done in that spot. And, uh, you know, they put themselves behind the eight ball with a a, a groggy first half giving, you know, spotting Washington, a 13 point lead, still had a chance to come back and win that game. But that was the, uh, that was the most shocking because I still, you know, I, I don't, I don't downgrade Tampa despite, you know, now coming off of two losses. I don't downgrade Tampa the same way I do the Rams. I think the Rams last two losses tell you more about that team than Tampa's, even though Tampa's losses to the saints and the, uh, and the Washington football team are, are more concerning probably in terms of quality opponent than, uh, the Rams losing to the Titans and the Niners. But the way the Rams lost, I think tells you that they're going to have problems in the playoffs. Whereas Tampa still, I expect them to get healthier, uh, the you know fact that they don't have all of their weapons in the passing game is you know is limiting this team to a degree. Um, I don't love how often they are handing the ball to uh, you know to Leonard Fournette. He's a player that I think you're wasting downs. You know, getting him incorporated in, in the running game, um, particularly at times in this contest when you needed to have a little bit more aggressiveness because you were facing a Washington football team offense that was uh, you know that had life, that was showing signs of life, that wasn't going to give you uh, you know. They weren't going to turn the ball over in the red zone. They weren't going to, um, you know, you know, prevent themselves, take their take points off the board for themselves uh, in this game. And so I think you needed to be a little bit more aggressive offensively than they were. Uh, and uh, in general, uh, you know, I think Brady in a playoff environment, in a must, you know, in a in a more high leverage win type of environment, I'm not as worried about him as I am Stafford and McBag.
4: So we have about sixty seconds before the break here, Drew. But who do you have top five power ranked down in the NFL? <laughs> Like, I mean, this is, it's, it's almost a ridiculous exercise <laughs> from week to week.
2: Yeah. And I mean, that's, I guess, you know, we, and I feel like we've talked about this over the balance of the season, but the NFL has been very flat this year. It's the parody is very, very real. Um, I think uh, if you, yeah, I mean, I, I, my, my top five doesn't look all that different than it did uh, to start the season. I have uh, Buffalo one right now, Tampa Bay, two, Kansas city, three, um, the, uh, Green Bay Packers are my four, uh, and then, uh, Dallas Cowboys five right now. Hmm. Uh, there's like kind of a cluster right around four or five Packers, Cowboys, Ravens are in the mix there. Tennessee's in the mix there. Uh, and then, uh, I have Arizona and LA rounding out my top 10. So that's, it's, it's, there's not a ton of difference really. I think Kansas city is probably the team that stands out the most in terms of t- people have downgraded them. Prematurely based on some losses to some good teams. They took the best shot from a bunch of teams that have live offenses to start the season. Uh, And now, two weeks at home, one week on the road. Now they get the next three weeks. uh, You know, they don't have to travel again until the middle of December. Uh, Kansas City is set up pretty well to to sort of separate themselves from the AFC West, in my opinion.
4: Yeah, analytics people looked real good last week after getting laughed at by a lot. Kansas City third (laughs) and San Francisco ninth at football outsiders. Worked yeah. out pretty well. More with Drew Dinsick. Tennis in the NBA next. Numbers gave Visa the sports betting network.
0: At Luckylandslots.com.
3: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary.
0: VGW group, void were prohibited by law. 18 plus turns and conditions apply. A numbers game with Gil
1: Alexander on VCN, the Sports betting Network.
4: Football season is here. I'm not sure if you've heard. And it's time to download BetMGM Sports. It is Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM, with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 4,700. It's Gil Alexander. By the way, I should mention that I didn't give a the Niners pick on this show. I gave it on primetime action in the evening uh, before that game started last night with uh, Matt Brown and with Kelly Bidlin. So for those listening to a numbers game who are like, I didn't hear you say that yesterday during guessing lines. You'd be correct. That was on the other show. Apologies. Apologies on that. Uh, This is uh, Drew Dinsick, everybody, from the Deep Dive podcast and, of course, the Bet the Edge podcast from NBC Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at whale underscore capper. Always kind enough to join us on Tuesday morning. We are honored, sir. Uh, Before we get to NBA questions, one of the main reasons that I love having you on here is because I get to talk tennis for a few minutes with you. Uh, it's uh, It's the WTA finals, which now are in the semifinals beginning today. And then there's the ATP on the men's side, which are in the round robin phase of theirs. Uh, WTA in Guadalajara, Turin, Italy is where the ATP is. Um, I'm curious, your broad thoughts on this. You said you, you had a thought or two.
2: Yeah, well, starting with the WTA finals, I don't know that I understand the scheduling. <laughs> I, I very, don't very, either. It's
4: terrible. Very
2: confused. Uh, yeah, really doing these women a disservice, kind of shoving these uh, high-leverage matches onto a Tuesday when people are unexpecting it. Um, and uh, I think it's pretty obvious that the winner of Badosa Muguruza is going to be your champion. Um, Sakari is probably favorably priced at plus 154 against Kantavite. Uh, I don't think Kantavite has the offense to keep up with Sakarya and Sakari I know has played some absolute marathons at altitude she's going to be dealing with fatigue but I think you can actually prey on that in the final this is a good matchup for her against Kantavite. so I think it ends up likely Bedosa Sakari uh, and I think Bedosa is probably your champion here I could see Mugurutha getting by Bedosa. Bedosa has kind of you know lost a little bit of focus you know as she's played some of the uh, elite competition over the balance of this season so it wouldn't be shocked to see uh, Muguruza get there but um ultimately I think your champion comes from that pair
4: I have uh, Badose at 4 to 1 and 3 to 1 to win this thing Nice but but, but as for your scheduling you know Badosa and Sakari play on one day rest. Sakari, you know, who played last night, deep into the night, and the other two ladies get to have, yeah. a, have an extra day of rest. So it's, it's, you know, who knows? But I think they're generally properly priced. That's the thing, because I get a lot of questions both on Twitter and offline. Hey, any more mm-hmm. tennis picks? At this point, the lines are pretty tight. Pretty tight on these individual <laughs> matches. I, yeah. Up through Saturday. After Satur- full season. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Up through Saturday, they were great. But now, you know, the last few days, there really hasn't been anything. Anything on the men's side? Yeah, the men's side I
2: think is telling is pretty interesting. This uh, Turin, uh, you know, there's not a lot of data really on w- what to expect with this uh, surface, this court speed. It's playing very, very average. Nothing to, you know, really give you an edge here in terms of uh, player strength, though. Um, you know, in terms of the better servers uh, that I've seen so far, uh, Hubert Hurkacz takes on um, Berrettini later today. Hurkacz surprisingly is only minus 227 even though Berrettini is very very much struggling with fitness right now. Mm-hmm. Um Berrettini of course playing at home, he's Italian. Uh however, I don't think that really matters much in this contest. Uh, Her catch is uh, pretty clearly uh the better player in better form at this moment. So I would have made him about a minus 400 price instead of minus 225. Um attack that as you see fit. Uh tomorrow though, I do think uh Rublev is a very live dog against Djokovic. Uh Djokovic obviously has you know played enough finals and we've got a decent signal that he does not fire all of his bullets in the early rounds meanwhile you know Rublev has come to this uh level of competition a couple of times and struggled and has finally kind of broken through with a a comfortable win against Sissipas in his first match I think he likely gets this win against Djokovic Uh, I haven't gone all in on the money line for him uh right now I think best price available for uh, Rublev is in about the plus 350 range, but uh, better angle of attack. I love him to take a set. I think he takes the first set, but I love him to take any set. Uh, so plus one and a half sets at uh, plus 134 is available right now, which I have way off, off market. I have him as minus 110 to win a set. Uh, if you don't have set betting for tennis, uh, which I know a lot of your folks out in Vegas don't, uh, the, mo- the plus four games is a, is a fun angle of attack as well. That's available for about even odds. So I think Rublev is very live tomorrow against Djokovic, and then uh, ultimately um, that Djokovic Rublev is how I would see the uh, uh, the finals matching up as well. I think Medvedev is looks like he is basically. Uh, You know, at the end of his rope in terms of uh, gas, in terms of juice, Um, Zverev has not really shown me much that he's going to be able to distinguish himself. Uh, It come the playoffs. And I think those are your two players that do emerge from that half of the draw. And they both likely lose their semifinal matches to Djokovic and Rublev. And so, you know, Djokovic Rublev. I would watch that one pretty closely tomorrow. You know, Djokovic probably himself is going to kind of absorb a lot of what Rublev's approach and angle of attack and strategy is, and then turn that around on him in the final.
4: I love it. Very strong take. Uh, Rublev, who won in straight sets against uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas as a dog yesterday. Uh, Great time for tennis, but again, uh, the pickings are slim. The matches are slim, so the pickings are going to be slim, but Drew has a uh, strong take there, obviously, on Rublev for sure tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Uh, Three games in the NBA tonight, Drew, two of which are really great matchups. Golden State at Brooklyn, Philadelphia at Utah, Um, but are they bettable?
2: I I have action in one. Um, Brooklyn at three-point favorite is short by my numbers Um, golden state of course has gotten off to a very solid start this season. But if you look at their schedule, it's been pretty imbalanced. Uh, They've been home a lot. They've played a lot of the dregs of the West. Uh, they really haven't been tested by very many, if any, elite teams at all. Um, and they match up pretty poorly against Kevin Durant, to be frank. I think uh, Brooklyn, on the other hand, as they've been tested, they've played some tough teams, they haven't always looked great. Harden looks like he is still at about 75% in terms of fitness. However, Brooklyn is getting wins against the dregs of the league in comfortable fashion, uh, even when they're fatigued. And so I think that you're basically getting a pretty clear signal from the results to to this point that brooklyn is playing at about 75 percent 80 percent there uh they're not really kind of going to the wall when you know and and, they're, and yet they're still winning by double digits covering effortlessly getting to 120 points uh you know has is, is been sort of the the, the uh the de rigueur for brooklyn nets to this point um my fair price on them at, at going 100 percent you know assuming that you know, we're, we're getting 50th percentile or a little lower from Brooklyn to this point in the season uh, and that they give us 75, 84% tonight, uh, Brooklyn ought to be about a five or six point favorite here. So uh, I can see them winning relatively comfortably uh, if things break in their direction. Golden State, of course, um, you know, really lacks a second... You know, creator offensively outside of Steph Curry, um, and uh, you know, I mean, best of luck to Draymond Green trying to defend uh, Kevin Durant in this one. That's just a matchup that favors Durant every which way I can point to it. Uh, so I think the Nets, uh, Nets take care of business at home. That's my favorite look on the card tonight.
4: Ooh, I like it. Okay, um, I don't like Gizmo a Warriors guy, but I understand uh, <laughs> the the logic on it. Let me just broadly ask you then about the the scoring environment in the NBA. Uh, you know, we had a we had a total of. You know, south of two hundred again last night didn't didn't get there. Uh, all of these games, the the, the general scoring environment so much lower than it's been. Has the market properly adjusted? Have you gotten ahead of it? Where do you stand on all that? Do you think that this will continue?
2: Yeah. So if you go back and you look at the four weeks of play we've had to this point in the season, um, obviously week one and week two, week two especially was just an absolute under delight. Um, if you were blind betting the unders, you were hitting like 75% through those two weeks. It's cooled off a bit, but it is still relatively hot. I think if you are still blind betting unders, you're somewhere in the ballpark of 63, 64% to the good, which is unbelievable. And if you're doing it early, you're getting the best of the number because the market is steaming down pretty regularly, uh, particularly when you're playing you know, when there's a team or two teams that uh, have a little bit of fatigue or a little bit of a rest disadvantage uh, on the card, then uh, those unders are getting hit pretty hard. Hard, uh, and I think that's correct. You're seeing the average total tick down into the 216, 217 range. That now is starting to stabilize. I think last week unders were maybe what 52, 53%. So that's telling you that you're kind, you're we're getting kind of close to the tipping point here, and that the prices are going to be fair. Um, but the overall scoring environment, I don't think, is going to change anytime soon. I, I, it's going to have to be the market is starts to overcorrect before this you you really start to see any run of unders here oh, of overs here excuse me because the three point shooting is just is as, as a is as a substantial notch below what we saw last year with, and I would attribute most of that to, um, the, uh, you know, crowds and the distractions, particularly of, you know, for road teams, road team, three pointers have been really, you know, the, the key standout statistic that I think is, uh, is missing uh, a little bit of discussion. People have made a, a very fair point to point to, uh, the free throw percentage, you know, for, you know, three free throw attempts and that the way that the refs are calling the game, trying not to get, uh, duped into, um, you know bogus uh, free you know foul calls uh, particularly around the perimeter so free throw attempts are down that has had an I have enjoyed the game more, honestly. The game has a little bit quicker pace. There's a little bit less uh, standing around waiting for a free throw shooting, which is nice, um, but uh, it is making for sloppier play at the end of games as players are more tired and they're not getting those calls. So um, I think uh, until you see average totals at about 213, 214, I don't think we're going to get a run of unders anytime, overs anytime soon.
4: Drew, love you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Hey, best of luck today, I guess. Drew Densick at whale underscore capper. Three sports with Drew. We'll come back. We'll talk college football and some updates in college football and baseball next.
1: A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network.
4: The VSIN Black Friday offer is here right now when you sign up for our $99 midseason football special. You also receive a $20 credit to the VSIN store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season, plus $20 to buy VSIN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. It is a limited time offer, however. So sign up now for the Perfect Sports Betting holiday gift for that special sports better in your life at Visa.com slash subscribe. Skill Alexander, Jeff Parlay is here as well. Um, by the way, just to clarify, for me in tennis today, I think all the all the matches are lined pretty accordingly to what they be, to what they should be. So Contivate, right where she should be in her match against uh tonight. Also the same with Badosa against Mugarutha. Also the same later today on the men's side with Horkatz facing a Berrettini who is, as Drew said, experiencing some uh, issues, abdominal issues anyway, that he experienced in the first round of this or the first of the round-robin matches. Jeff, you have some news in both college basketball and baseball.
5: Yes, there is uh, a lot going on this morning. Uh, a report from the News and Observer in North Carolina from Steve Wiseman that two Duke players were uh, facing, are facing charges from a DWI arrest over the weekend. The two players, uh, the Michael Severino, who is actually coach K's grandson uh, was arrested for DWI on early Sunday morning. And then Paulo Banchero, who is the number, basically Duke's best recruit mm-hmm. number three in the country had that incredible game against Kentucky in the champions classic was, uh, was also uh, also detained and released on the scene charged with, Aiding and abetting DWI on early Sunday morning, so that is something to monitor for Duke. Uh, they play a game against Gardner Webb tonight. Uh, won't change the result. That's a giant line as it is, uh, but that is something to monitor uh, over the next few weeks. See if that turns into turns into any sort of lengthy suspension.
4: But Paulo is the aiding and abetting part of that. That is correct. Okay, that is correct. Interesting. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how that develops over the course and then you have some baseball
5: yeah uh two two things on baseball this morning jose barrios who of course was traded at the deadline to the blue jays he's going to be staying in toronto big extension seven years 140 million for barrios so he will stay put north of the border honestly good job by the jays to not let that trade fall apart and lock him up long term and then the news that makes me sad this morning gill and and uh As being a Mets fan, Noah Syndergaard is going west. He's going to the Angels. One-year, $21 million deal with the Angels for Thor. And Josh Towers has only been asking the Angels to sign pitching now for five years. So uh, the Angels finally do that uh, in bringing Thor
4: west. Sad for Mets fans, I guess. What could have been. Plagued by injuries. But that's kind of the Mets story, isn't it? You expect uh, Syndergaard to recapture his old glory there?
5: I will be betting him to win the Cy Young.
4: Oh, I'm, ju- wow. I'm just
5: telling you, that, it, that, that's usually how this works, wow. right, Gil?
4: There's my answer. They leave the Mets and they win the Cy Young? That's yeah, what's something, something along those lines. Speaking of which, I touched on this a little bit yesterday on Guessing Lines, but more so last night on Primetime Action, which is, is baseball really serious about what they're doing this week? So let me, let me be specific. You know, it's one thing that the baseball playoffs – Right. It's 162 games, and the playoffs last forever. We, we were all sort of sleepwalking through the World Series by the time that got ro- that rolled around. And then now with the awards season, the World Series extended, so they delayed the awards season by a week right? because it got to a sixth or seventh game. And so they delayed the announcement of not the awards but the finalists being announced first by a week, which pushed back the actual awards being pushed further back. And so here we are now finally awards week. Uh, rookie of the year yesterday in both the AL and NL, manager of the year today, Cy Young's tomorrow, and then MVPs finally on Thursday. But in all their infinite wisdom, baseball announced presenters of those awards. And they are in effect, it would appear, unless proven otherwise, and I hope we're going to be proven otherwise, but it would appear that they're telegraphing the pass on every single award. So yesterday, they announced that for the National League, Johnny Bench would be presenting the NL Rookie of the Year. Well, we knew Jonathan India of the Reds, get it? Johnny Bench, Reds, Jonathan India, Reds, would win the National League Rookie of the Year. He did. Now, Tampa Bay doesn't have a history, really, that extends back, but they rolled out Freddie Lynn of the Boston Red Sox, primarily Red Sox and Angels fame, who was an outfielder. Randy Orosarena, an outfielder, ends up winning the American League Rookie of the Year. So now, look. I, I, it's mind-boggling to think that they would do this, but it appears they are today for Manager of the Year. Bruce Bochy is giving out the National League Manager of the Year award. Oh, what do you know? Gabe Kapler is the runaway favorite to win that. On the American League side, Mike Socha is giving that. And, you're, and Mike is giving that one out, and you're like, oh, but the Angels' manager's not there. Yes, but Scott Service played, played for Mike Socha. Tomorrow, I, I swear you can't make this up. Tomorrow for Cy Young, and here's where I'm hoping that they can't be this ridiculous. For National League, Oral is giving away the National League Cy Young. Does that mean that Max Scherzer's winning this? And on the American League side, and this would amount to an upset based on the betting market, Blackjack McDowell, formerly of the White Sox, mostly White Sox fame, he's giving out the American League Cy Young Award. And remember, Lance Lynn is one of the finalists who played for the White Sox. Do you get what I'm getting at here? And then Thursday, for the National League MVP, Mike Schmidt is presenting for the National League MVP. Oh, what do you know? Bryce Harper is one of the three finalists. So for those of us who have Juan Soto tickets, this is so deflating. It's unbelievable. And, Jeff, my question to you, and I think I know the answer, for goodness sakes, is can Major League Baseball be this dumb?
5: Oh, the answer is 100% yes. Of course they can. By the way, I will say, though—
4: Have you ever met an organization that can find the wrong answer as as quickly as they can?
5: There's a few other options, okay. But but they're one they're one of the ones that man. Top. I, I will say this though: that go go to your 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 Blackjack McDowell point real quick. Yes. If the voters really gave Lan- if if Lance Lynn wins the Cy Young, that is as big of an injustice in an in an award I season would as you can imagine. I
4: complete would complete
5: injustice.
4: So so. I mean, we're going to have to monitor this today, right, and tomorrow. But if if all of this goes according to what I just laid out, they're ridiculous. And by the way, sorry to Jason Weingarten, because Vonder Franco should have won the American League Rookie of the Year. The he, other thing, the other thing too, though,
5: Gil, to just uh, double check this real quick: McDowell did pitch for the Yankees. So,
4: so there is that possibility. There is the Garrett Cole possibility. But you don't think of him as a well, Yankee?
5: No, not really. But yeah. You never get, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe, maybe baseball's actually throwing a curveball. I them. hope they are. I hope they are because Ray should win the award.
4: I hope they are because I won Juan Soto. You know what I mean? It's Thursday. I think you're in trouble on I know. I know I'm in trouble. I just laid out why I'm in trouble. <laughs> just all, all I'm saying is if Service and uh, Kapler win today, it's it's by the script. And then we move on to Cy Young's. Good Lord, baseball. What are you doing? Um, Okay, college football. We'll talk to Pete Futak later, college football extensively. But I wanted to get your, uh, your thoughts on this first, Jeff, because, and, and I'll ask you know, for Futak's picks this coming week, because college football is getting very interesting. And, and by the way, the playoff picture looks like it's just going to sort itself out between now and when the final rankings are. The third of six college football playoff rankings from ESPN tonight, by the way. But what was worse this, this past weekend? Was it Texas... Losing outright to Kansas, or was it Florida spotting Samford, FCS Samford, 42 first-half points, and then having to come from behind to win 70-52? to 52? What's worse? Any, any it's tough. It's a
5: no. It's a. T- it's a tough question. It's got to be the, the Sanford thing. Even is though it? Florida ended up. Winning. I don't know. Think about it's all. close. The, think
4: about all the historical circumstances around the Texas one, where Kansas had never won. You know, on it, the road, the conference, and all that stuff.
5: It, it's close. The only the only difference that I will say though is that Sanford was beaten by the likes of Chattanooga by five <laughs> touchdowns.
4: <laughs> what, what is your What's your point? No, look, they're
5: both really bad. Look, the yeah. Kansas. The the other the, the, the most alarming thing in the offseason, or excuse me, after the game, I should say, was Sarkeesian was asked, oh. have your players tuned you out? And he goes, you're going to have to ask them. That is not a good long-term thing well, I there mean, in, I c- in Austin.
4: I could ask you about the press conference, the postgame press conference. What was worse, that from Sarkeesian or Mullen kind of downplaying, you know, the fact that they had to squeak by Stanford. and He was like, nah, I don't want to disrespect the game. Yeah, you know, he was sort of just like, "Yeah, it's a win." What What are you talking about? That's me paraphrasing. The Mullen
5: one was more ridiculous. It
4: was more ridiculous, right? Like it's a complete denial on that. Um, so in the end, we have more, you know, Oregon right now entrenched in the uh, in the top four in the country, but they have a game this week against Utah that they're dogs in. What do you What do you think about that game, Utah and Oregon? Do you give a, Oregon appropriately a dog in this game? I, I think the
5: line is correct. I,
4: But, I mean, I, isn't, that, isn't that the most ridiculous thing about all this? We come from a betting standpoint. Oregon, the fourth-ranked team in the country, is a three-point dog at Utah. So what are we talking about here? I mean, I would
5: bet Oregon in the game. I don't think Utah's that good, but I'm not surprised at the number.
4: I'm telling you, this, it looks like all this is going to just flesh out and sort itself out by the end. Cincinnati incrementally looking better each and every week, even though all their wins are unimpressive. A win is a win is a win when these other teams are losing. We'll come back. We will talk. Um, What do we do next? I don't know. Let's talk NBA with JVT. We'll do that. Numbers game. Visa the Sports Betting Network. Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The numbers game
1: with Gil Alexander on Vsin, the sports betting network.
4: All the football and basketball action you need is at BetMGM. Sign up now using bonus code vsin 1000 in your first wagers, risk-free, up to $1,000. When you register with BetMGM, you'll also get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. From epic touchdowns to spectacular slam dunks, the King of Sportsbooks takes every play to a thrilling new level. Simply download the BetMGM app today. won't take you but a few seconds. Or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code VSIN1000 to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. By the way, that Major League Baseball discussion we just had, Paul Carr, our soccer guy at a numbers game, who's a lifelong Kansas City Royals fan, uh, sort of dovetailing... My uh, off my uh, baseball rant there a second ago he said if Lance Lynn steals the AL Cy Young, it would be appropriate that Jack McDowell gives him the award since McDowell stole the 1993 award from Kevin Apier because McDowell won 22 games. Why? Yes, I'm still a bit Royals fan. By the way, it's appropriate that we have JVT here because he is a Los Angeles Angels fan and we didn't plan this, obviously. Uh, but Noah Syndergaard, one year, twenty-one million dollar deal to become an Angel. So before we even talk basketball, let's welcome in our senior NBA analyst, but also an Angels fan, Jonathan Von Tobel. How do you like that man?
1: You know, the name is fine, right? But like, Gil, you know this as much as the next guy does. This is what the Angels do. They're yeah. going to buy. Low, they're going to buy low on guys. They're not going to get them at their prime. They're not going to break the bank for the dude that is, and not that Noah Syndergaard's not deserving of it, but I think he's coming off of a major injury. I-, I could be wrong there. And like, so you're just kind of going and you're trying to get these dudes cheap. Spend on the pitching staff. You are wasting the career of Mike Trout. You have Shohei Otani now. I just, I wish they would break the bank for a guy that is at the top and the peak of his career as opposed to consistently trying to buy low and find these cheap little deals across the board, you know?
4: The beauty of this is that Jeff Parle's, uh, Jeff Parlay, Mets fan, is like, oh, he's going to win the Cy Young now. Watch. And you, an Angels fan, equally <laughs> upset about this signing. That's uh, so great. All right, NBA. You look up on the middle of November, JVT, and you're like, "Who's the best team in the Eastern Conference by record?" And the answer, of course, is your Washington Wizards, ten and three, baby. Denny Avdia messing around and getting a double double last night. Um, what do you make of the Wizards at ten and three? Is this? Listen, I don't. I don't expect them to keep this pace the rest of the way. But do you feel comfortable saying, "Yeah, maybe they're maybe they're a playoff team, and maybe they're not even a play in team."
1: Oh yeah. Like I think that's definitely what they could definitely could be at this point right now. You know, they're not playing too far above their skis either. If, Cleaning the glass is one of my favorite analytical websites, and they have a metric, you know, it's win differential. So it essentially takes your statistical profile and tells you how many more wins that you have as a team or how, you know, how many more wins you have as a team than your statistical profile says. They're only about 1.2 wins above uh, like a team with their statistical profile at this point right now. So they're not really playing that far ahead of what they really should be at this point. So I look, they're a playoff team. And I think when you look at the deal overall, they got rid of Russell Westbrook, and they got like a whole bunch of C plus B minus players mm-hmm. like across the board. Yeah, so they're a legitimately quality team, man.
4: That is that. That's the main thing. What you just said right there, JVT, which is if you ever like, you know, if you get a player, a superstar player like Westbrook, it doesn't matter how bad you are in the moment with the guy. If you're surrounded by, you know, besides Bradley Beal, virtually nothing. Forgive me, all mm-hmm. the other players. But what you can haul back from a trade from that guy is so worth acquiring that piece in the long run now not everybody's going to play it right but I think they did in this case oh yeah
1: Oh, and, and think about it, too. I mean, look, you still got in the playoffs last year, too, right? So, mm-hmm. like, you got the best of both worlds. Yeah, you were a play-in team, but you ended the season insanely hot. I think it was 17-7 and in their last 24 games. They win the play-in tournament, or at least their version of it. They get to the postseason. Yeah, it doesn't go well against Philadelphia. But not only did you get the playoff berth, then the next offseason you flip him for a bunch of quality players that now have you where you're at right now. So I, I think this definitely the Wizards. We, we have seen them out of all of these deals in the past. This is one of the best ways to actually turn these things around. They did a great job with it.
4: Chicago Bulls coming off another win uh, last night uh, against the Lakers. Bulls, where do you rank them in the Eastern Conference right now?
1: So I, I think at this point right now, and this, this is coming from somebody who thought they were going to be about a 500 team, like a fine quality, like six, seven, eight type seed in the Eastern Conference. But I think given the state of the conference and where all these other teams at, I think they got to be, like, pushing for tied for third right now yeah. in the Eastern Conference. Like they're, they're so quality on both ends of the floor. Right now, if you're looking at it, they're eighth in offensive efficiency, they're fifth in defensive efficiency in non-garbage time minutes. And what they what, what's impressing me the most, Gil, is they're continuing to win through attrition, right? There's no Patrick Williams. Kobe White just came back. Of course, you've lost guys left and right from injury, and you continue to go through situations and win these games. Now, I will say, you kind of saw – Right, The limitations on Friday night when they got blown out by the Golden State Warriors because I think their bench is still one of the worst in the NBA. They're 27th in scoring right now. That's going to be a problem for them. Kobe White helps that issue. But that was always my thing with them is how good is their bench going to be. We have seen that it's not been that great, but it's still translating right now to a 10-4 record. So I think they're pushing for that third seed in the Eastern Conference right now. They're fourth, but the gap's not that far between them and I think of Miami.
4: Last thing before we get to tonight's games, because I'm curious your thought about a couple really good NBA games tonight of three. Uh, is what's the, based on current performance, current performance in the standings, versus what you actually have them at where you dive into your numbers, what's the biggest gap either to the good or the bad on a team this year so far?
1: I think for me, one of the teams uh, that, I, that I'm a lot lower on than the market is, and I took my shot against them last night, it didn't work because ro- the Rockets are terrible, but I don't think that the, the Memphis Grizzlies on the market realizes how bad the Memphis Grizzlies are from a defensive standpoint and how poor they've been this year. We're talking about the Memphis Grizzlies still ranking. Oh, Now they're up to 29th in defensive efficiency after yesterday, so good for them, but they're yes. 29th in defensive efficiency. Uh, they have a negative net rating at this point right now, the Memphis Grizzlies. They're 24th in net rating, at negative 4.3. If you look at their win expectancy, too, they're above, They're seeing up way above their own skis right now so i think one of the teams that has kind of bothered me and i've taken my shots like they had a two game set against denver i bet against them one of those games they got burned i got that beat against the minnesota timberwolves i finally got a little chunk of flesh when charlotte went out there uh, and beat them but i think when you look at it overall memphis has been a team that has been playing way above their head especially when you look at the way that they have been playing defensively and it's been bothering me how much support they get uh, it seems on a night-to-night basis. So I've been frequently going against Memphis.
4: Well, that you know, you were not alone. Kelly Bidlin, our producer on Primetime Action, he also had the Rockets last Excuse me, he also had the Grizzlies. No, he had the Rockets last night. Pardon me. He had yep. the Rockets with you. And, yeah, what was it, midway through the second quarter, it was it was over. It's like, how bad are <laughs> yep. they? God, it was so bad. Uh, yep. 136-102, the final score. The Grizzlies couldn't name their score. Okay, tonight, uh, three games in the NBA, but Golden State at Brooklyn is the marquee matchup. Brooklyn having themselves quite a fine little start to the season, too, quietly. Uh, they're three-point favorites. Too low?
1: Yeah, I, so I took I took three and a half with Golden State. And remember, Joe Harris isn't playing tonight. Paul Millsap's not playing tonight. So uh, that's a little bit of a blow. I think that's why you see a relatively cheap number here. But it's clear that Golden State's power rating is inching to the point where it's kind of at an all-time high. But I think when you look at this from a matchup standpoint, Gil, Golden State defensively is legitimately good. People don't realize that those Warriors teams and they were winning titles were some of the best defensive teams in the NBA at that point. Last year, they were fifth in defensive efficiency. And this year, they're first in both overall defensive efficiency and half-court defensive efficiency. They're legitimately good on that end of the floor. They have multiple personnel to throw at the two big guys, right, whether it's Kevin Durant or James Harden. So I think from a matchup standpoint, I really like how the Warriors come into this, especially with a perimeter-oriented offense in Brooklyn, not having one of their better shooters in Joe Harris and a little bit of a depth hit, too, when it comes to Paul Millsap. And I also think situationally, and and I hate doing this, so I'll I'll put this as a caveat, is I barely use these types of situations, but I think it does help when you look at this Warriors team. On Friday, they lose to Charlotte. They were clearly, or not Friday, excuse me, it was a Sunday. Uh, they were clearly getting ready for this game. If you read between the lines of some of their comments, they were looking forward to taking on Brooklyn. Uh, I think this is a pretty good litmus test for the Golden State Warriors from a defensive standpoint. And keep in mind, too, Kevin Durant has been dealing with a sore, a sore shooting shoulder. So just situationally, it seems like a better spot here for Golden State. So I took three and a half there with the Warriors.
4: Alright, so we we're opposite. Dinsick and JVT opposite on this game. I like yep. your side better. I like the Warriors. Just in this case. <laughs> I love Drew. Well, uh, uh, to be
1: fair, too, like I've been looking for spots to play Brooklyn. Like I do think they've been undervalued by the market i got a really lucky uh, win on friday night i don't know if you saw how that pelicans game went down near the end with a foul 1.4 seconds yeah. left and they covered the opening number and you know i've played them here and there in certain spots so i do think they've been a little undervalued but i'm i'm really high on this warriors team and I, I tend to value defense a little bit better when it comes to the nba
4: anything we have about a minute left jvt anything on philly utah or san antonio and the clippers tonight
1: yeah, only with Utah, like I'm surprised. So, this is a Utah team that is one and four straight up and against the spread their last five games, but every single night the market's betting on them. And again, here today, you're up to 10 and a half in some spots. And I get it. Like, there's no Joel Embiid, there's no Danny Green, there's no Matisse Thiebel. They're 0 and four straight up and against the spread since all these guys have left the floor. Philly has not been playing well, but I, I think the market's not realizing how inefficient this bench has been for the Utah Jazz, how overvalued they've been in certain situations like this right now. I'm just really surprised, again, on a night to night basis. This Jazz team is consistently laying some of these big numbers. They closed as an eight-point favorite, lost outright the other night to the Miami Heat. They lost that game to Indiana. So it's just surprising again to see the market just come to the window. and Just give me the Jazz, give me the Jazz, give me the Jazz.
4: Give me the Jazz. Rookie of the (laughs) year thus far is?
1: Ooh, that's tough. I think it's Chris Duarte's been doing good, but he's obviously fallen off here a little bit. I think you got to go with Evan Mobley. He's been absolutely fantastic. He's getting a lot of media buzz. He's a big reason why Cleveland's been playing the way that they have.
4: I like it. Kate Cunningham had a big game, too, uh, last time yep. out as well. Uh, JVT, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Jonathan Von Tobel, at me, JVT, our senior NBA analyst, also co-host of The Edge, which he does with Matt Humans daily here on VEASAN. We'll come back. Jeff and I will talk some Week 11 NFL, Pete Futak college football, and, of course, some college hoops with a three-man weave crew. It's a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.